This episode of the Best Seats Podcast is brought to you by, well, you. To learn how you can support the show, go to thebestseats.com slash Patreon. Once there, you'll learn how you can get early access to shows, ad-free listening, the ability to submit questions, comments, concerns, and more. Once again, that's thebestseats.com slash Patreon. But enough of that. On to the show. Welcome, 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 everyone, to first ever episode 11 of the Best Seats Podcast. My name is Crawford McCarthy, as always, your host. Thank you so much for tuning in, and thank you to Allie Coyle for providing music for the show. You can find more of her work at AllieCoyleMusic.com. Follow her on Instagram at Music and check out her family's restaurants here in Orange County, Dublin 4, Gastropub, Wine Works for Everyone, and Fable and Spirit. Uh, on the show today, we have got Tony Celeste. He is at Whitestone, Dana Point. He is the executive chef, GM, and for lack of a better term, bar manager at the moment too. That's right. I'm so sorry. It's another COVID-19 episode. We're still stuck in this damn thing, but it looks hopefully like we might be getting to the other side soon. I don't know if we flatten the curve, but it feels like we kind of hit the top of the roller coaster and now we're on our way down. Fingers crossed. But more about my guest. Tony Celeste is a wildly, wildly talented chef, um, part of the duo over at Whitestone, him and Chef Nick Herrera. I could not get Nick on the show, unfortunately, uh, the social distancing and recording these episodes still over the phone, which I apologize for audio wise, is just making it too difficult to get multiple guests on at the moment. Um, I will get Nick on the show eventually and ideally get both of the chefs on the show at the same time once we make it to the other side of this thing. Uh, the interviewing today with Tony is really great. What they do at Whitestone in Dana Point is progressive, provocative. Um, they're very, very talented. And as we kind of talk about in the interview, almost a little intimidating, I think, to the average diner. So it's been very interesting talking with him, learning about how they've kind of pivoted, how they've had to tone down the menu, aim for more kind of comfort food items, um, and basically just continue to deliver what their guests expect while also being able to deliver food for people that may have not eaten there before. Uh, additionally, we're talking about just kind of the process of fermentation, which is something that they utilize a lot and something I'm a huge supporter of um, when they can kind of safely reopen, what that may look like, and then also kind of what people can do to learn about a restaurant like Whitestone, something that may not be in their traditional kind of Friday date night um, routine. I think it's a very important restaurant. I think it might be one of the most important restaurants in South County, simply from a fact that as much as it feeds and nourishes people, it also educates and it aims to educate and it looks to breach a greater understanding of food and processes that can go into it. Um, you know, it, There's much more out there than a fried chicken sandwich, even though there's nothing wrong with a fried chicken sandwich and they're delicious and sometimes a perfect meal. Sometimes you also want to look into you know, fermented garums on forbidden rice and duck pot pies with legs and things sticking out of them and all these delicious kind of provocative, fun, whimsical cooking styles. Um, Tony really succeeds at that. He's a wonderful educator, extremely well-spoken, um, and very talented chef. And again, I think it's a really good interview. He's a, a great guy to talk to. He's got a really good insight on this. Um, and the way that they've kind of handled it is different from maybe some of the other bigger restaurants that were not more prepared, but maybe a little fiscally better off. Whitestone was a newer restaurant. So all in all, a very educational episode. Um, I loved this interview. I hope that you will enjoy it too. So please, Enjoy this interview with executive chef of Whitestone and Dana Point, Tony Celeste.
Hello. Hey, what's going on, Chef? How are you doing? I'm good, brother. How are you? Good, good, good. How are things? Uh, good. Just uh, enjoying my day off. <laughs> <laughs> well, I appreciate you taking the time and your day off to uh, kind of call in and uh, sit down and get this podcast episode recorded. I've been super, super excited to have you on the show basically as soon as I started it. Nice. For those that uh, do not know you and do not know the restaurant, would you mind introducing yourself in the restaurant real quick? Uh, my name is Tony Swest. Uh, the restaurant is Whitestone in Dana Point. Um, and we are a little different sometimes. <laughs> so that's one of the main reasons that I wanted to get a episode recorded with you is I've talked to kind of beverage directors, chefs, uh, you know, different people associated with the industry, but everybody pretty much has a, I would say kind of traditional background. Uh, some people work in kind of more elevated spots like Broadway and things like that. And Whitestone is absolutely elevated, but you guys are different. Um, I think it's universally applauded by pretty much every food writer that I've talked to. I'm a huge, huge fan of the restaurant and what you guys do. Uh, for those that may not have dined in and maybe looking for different takeout options to hopefully support during all of this, we're mentioning it, we're recording this while COVID-19 is still going on. Can you kind of give a little bit of background about White House and kind of its ethos and, and the kind of cooking that you guys do there? Yeah, of course. Uh, first off, thank you. I re it really means a lot when you say that uh, you, you enjoy a restaurant um, and, and our food and stuff. Uh, but right now what we're doing, um, we basically, well, when I came back, I was, I had a, I was out on a trip and I had to cut the trip short because Nashville was shutting down. I was out there for a wedding. Uh, and so I came back and we started, we were closed for like two or three days. And then we, um, we feel, we realized that the, um, the menu wasn't going to work that we were previously doing. Uh, and so I went through the fridge and the freezer and I turned everything that we had previously used into sandwiches and salads uh, and basically take away entrees that you could either ha enjoy hot or uh, in you can put in your fridge and heat up at a later date. So, before, um, so yeah. What was the restaurant like before you guys had to switch to takeout? Uh, so it's, it's an interesting place. It's, it's, it's got this almost, uh, it's, it's, I don't know how to explain it. It's, we have these like really tables that these ugly tables that we inherited. Uh, but I think I like them because it kind of gives that charm of, of, you know, we, who, who, who is this? What is this? And, uh, so, uh, the restaurant is basically, we just make what we love and what we like and put a lot of love and, and, uh, heart into the food. And I guess that's really it. We just want to see what people like and, we, we don't, we, we just make what we like. That's really it. Um, yeah. I want to give credit where it's due. Um, this was going to be one of the episodes that I wanted to have multiple guests on your other chef, Nick Herrera could not, uh, it, just technologically with social distancing and everything. I couldn't get two people on at once. And I know that he's been battling a little bit of a cold, not COVID-19, but he's been battling a cold so he couldn't be on. But for those mm -hmm. that are listening that may not know, um, you, I wouldn't call it, I think writers would probably call it progressive food, kind of globally influenced, kind of a lot of those taglines that writers like to use. I would almost yeah. call you guys provocative because you decided to jump into Dana Point, a very kind of traditional spot where even some of the emerging restaurants still kind of play to those traditions. And you were throwing out flavors and ingredients that a lot of people hadn't seen before. Was there, and obviously dealing with coronavirus, which we'll get to in a minute with a restaurant like that, but was there any fear 
even before all of this broke out about pushing a menu like that on a pretty established and I would say kind of traditional neighborhood? Well, when I, when we, when I first came on, we, I thought about it and I thought about it and I decided that to make, you know, interesting stuff and fun stuff. And I thought that Dana point, I, I was like, Dana points ready for this. Uh, because you look around and uh, you, you look at San Clemente, there's some fairly nice, there's really nice restaurants out there, Laguna. Uh, and then you got uh, Costa Mesa. And so I was like, yeah, it's ready for it. And so we started developing the menu and um, yeah, there was a lot of fear. Um, and especially when we first opened, we got a lot of backlash. There was people that did not like it at all. And um, we told them that it was just wasn't the restaurant for them. And we got it a lot. The first, uh, the first three weeks were rough and maybe even the first two months were really rough because people would come in and be like, I, I don't get it. And I don't like it. I don't get your concept. I don't like it. Uh, do it my way. And we're like, I'm sorry. No, it's a balance, right? Yeah. You're here to, to try our stuff and, and we're here to, to, to be hospitable to you. Uh, but yeah, it was uh, yeah. And that caused a lot of fear and uh, anxiety and, we're still experiencing it to an extent, you know? I don't remember who said it. I want to say Hugh Atchison or someone like that, but I was listening to a chef on a different podcast and they basically said it, it's sometimes it's irrelevant whether your guest likes your food, it's whether they understand your food. And I do think that that's something that you guys deal with. What's it been like pivoting kind of under some of those assumptions from guests to a to-go and take-out menu that has... Uh, you know, for lack of a better term, kind of removed a lot of those menu staples that people like I loved and kind of those more provocative dishes when you have to cater to that more kind of comfort food element. Yeah. It's, I basically, when we, when I designed the menu, the new menu, I, I was trying to make something that was very um, approachable. I, I know people, a lot of people are working or they're working from home. And so I kind of, you know, I just built it around that. And so we tried to make nothing over $15, anything over $15. We have one dish that's 16. Uh, and it's some things that you can take home and enjoy or, and reheat, or you can take to the park because people are trying to go outdoors. And, uh, and so that's why we did that. And it just was to be a little more, um, approachable, you know? Yeah. The new menu has been really good. I've had it a couple of times. Um, not that I didn't love the old dishes, but I will say that, that your flavors are still there and you guys are not messing around with the food. So if you're listening to this and you haven't hit up Whitestone, do it immediately because that food is really good. You yeah, got, the sandwiches are pretty epic. <laughs> yeah. I don't remember. I think you guys did an Argentinian like version yeah. of cheesesteak. That thing was a monster. Yeah. I, I, I could put that down in my sleep. Huge fan. Yeah. You guys have a very, very creative kitchen, even with kind of these takeout to go things. The flavors are big. They're there. Um, some of the techniques that you guys were doing beforehand, not a lot of people were doing like your fermentation. How have you been staying creative while also staying, I can only imagine, incredibly busy trying to keep a restaurant alive? Yeah, we've been uh, a little pretty short staffed. And so I've been picking up a lot. I mean, I've been sweeping and mopping and we, we I, I pick up uh, certain days I'm on the line and um, we're closing together, just me and one other guy. Uh, it's, yeah, it's been pretty busy. So basically right now it's, I haven't really been keeping up because I've been trying to keep my head above water right now, trying to ke just catch up and, and just, I've been so busy. It's funny to hear everybody, uh, you know, watching social media and seeing how all these people are at home and enjoying, you know, or not necessarily enjoying quarantine, but they're relaxing and, 
and stuff. And I've never been busier. Same with my wife. She works in healthcare and she hasn't been busier. Uh, it's just, or I've been, this is the busiest we've been. Uh, and so it's been, it's been rough and I haven't actually had a lot of time to, um, to kind of experiment or play. It's just, like I said, it's just trying to, to keep up and to stay alive and make a little money. And then, uh, um, but yeah, I actually recently because of the, the restrictions are letting up on the East coast and it's kind of heading our way. I, I, I'm trying to get ahead of the game. And so I'm actually, I'm working on a new menu and even a new concept where I want to kind of change it up a little. I'm saying kind of style, but uh, I want to change it up a little, uh, you know, embrace it. So it, we'll touch on that in just kind of a second, but the reopening aspect, um, obviously you guys are in data point. San Clemente's right next door, um, without naming names. Obviously there's a restaurant in San Clemente that went ahead yep. and pulled the trigger and publicized that they were going to be open kind of a, a screw it mentality. Uh, and they said that they would be doing social distancing and safety precautions. All the video that I've seen speaks to the contrary, but they're going forward regardless. It's a very kind of touchy subject because you're balancing basically surviving and having a job versus kind of public perception and things like that. Obviously, I think some of the support would be there, but without speaking on behalf of Whitestone, because obviously, even though you're the chef of it, you're just kind of one person of it. I don't want to put the restaurant on the spot. Where do you stand personally on the topic of, of kind of reopening and reopening safely? Yeah, my, I mean, I, I have, anyway, well, anyways, yeah, I had a feeling you'd, uh, you'd talk about that. Um, yeah, I don't know. I, I think that, Personally, I, the first thing that I heard about when I heard it, I was like, that's not fair. Like, <laughs> that's not fair. Yeah. And I was kind of pissed. It's just like, it's not fair that, that, and we're trying to obey the rules and stuff and, and they're letting them get away with it, which is fine. Like, I'm not trying to say that they need to, you know, be punished, but I just, I don't want to be the one to do it also. And then be made an example of. Exactly. Uh, so we're trying to do a balance basically. Uh, so I'm, I am opening up the pad, like the front patio, um, uh, in front of the restaurant and I'm putting chairs out there and heaters so people can wait for food and um, they can buy a to-go drink and they can kind of enjoy it out there and wait. And we were even playing with the idea of doing like parking lot, like car parties, but who knows how, how long it, you know, it, if this is going to keep going on for another month, then maybe we might do that. And people can in buy food and, um, and we'll bring it out to their car and they can enjoy it there. Yeah. I agree. I definitely think that, again, when the ABC laws changed to be able to sell alcohol to go, that was big. I think that that needs to stay in place. And personally, I'm a huge proponent of expanding on kind of whatever square footage you have to allow extra seating and things like that. So if it's the front patio or the parking lot, I think you guys are hitting the nail on the head. Um, I think a lot of people, non maybe kind of hospitality people, non-industry fans, maybe just kind of your casual diner uh, they look around and they say, oh, well, that restaurant is doing to-go food. You know, they, they must be doing okay. They're going to be fine. You know, we don't really have to order to-go. I think that that's kind of a myth. What would you kind of say to those people? Because I think the to-go option right now, much kind of like the PPP, is more of just a Band-Aid than anything else. And it's just slowing the bleeding that's happening yeah. anyway. So is that yeah. true? No, I, yeah, I think it's the contrary. If we're, we, don't, we don't have a choice. Because we're still a new restaurant. We don't have a choice. We have to be open. We have to... Um, we have, we have to be serving food because we're not, we, if we were to shut the doors, I don't know if they open again. Uh, because it's just, which, cause like I said, we're still in a restaurant and, and that comes with its, its, its problems, but it's, yeah, it's, 
we if if a restaurant is open, if it's not a chain and it's open and it's serving to go, it's because they need to be open and they need to do you know serve to go options. There's bigger bigger restaurants that can afford to shut the doors. You know, it's good for them, but that that's the different. That's not the case with the especially new restaurants or smaller restaurants. Yeah. Well, what is the history of Whitestone? How young are you guys? You know, what's it kind of been like since that opened? You mentioned on the first couple of weeks and things like that, but it felt, even though you guys were still very young, that you were starting to pick up steam. You had just revamped the cocktail program. Can you kind of give a little bit of history of the restaurant and kind of what it was like right before that May 6th or that March 16th uh, shutdown? Yeah, it was uh, like, yeah, exactly what you said. It was just ramping up. We were trying, we're just getting busier and busier, which was nice and uh, trying to keep up. Uh, but yeah, we were, we had some big ideas and we were trying, we were planning on turning that, uh, we have that side dining room. We were going to turn that into a little wine bar, uh, but that got put on hold. Uh, so we were trying, we're just, we're, we were trying to kind of make it, make more out of it and embrace our, uh, how, how different we are in the area. And I want to try and separate myself from, from the more, more of the restaurants because, I want to embrace our, our difference. Uh, and so we were just working on that. And then this just came out of nowhere. I, I commend you guys for doing that. I think that, uh, again, like I've said, obviously my bias is pretty clear. If people haven't picked up on it by now, I like the restaurant. I like what you do. I think that it's important. Um, has it been any more difficult kind of, I guess I should say, I know it's more difficult. What are some of the extra difficulties being a newer restaurant when you're going up against other established kind of neighborhood places <laughs> in a time like this? Oh, I mean, a lot of it has to do with pricing, definitely, and and the, the the offerings. People kind of, I can see it; they get intimidated, and uh, and and that's not the, the goal. That's because you you know the, the area. Like people, they want a burger, so and I refuse to put a burger on the menu. I refuse. Which was one of the best um, things I ever heard you say, and I and I absolutely, I still stand by it, and I love it. Yeah, and then we ended up doing it. Well, we have one now. But, uh, and, and I don't know if it'll stay, but I don't think it will. But yeah, so it, it just, that's kind of the thing that was the, is the hardest part is, is I, we're not trying to intimidate people. We're trying to make it an experience and more fun. Uh, and so that's what we're planning on doing is, is we're planning on trying to like lighten up the mood a little. It, it kind of has this a little too serious vibe, I think. I would agree with that. There were some of those items that I, again, like I absolutely love. I can see how they're intimidating to a regular diner, like a duck pot pie with a leg sticking out of it. I thought was one of my favorite things on the planet, but I can definitely get how your, how your average Friday date night may be intimidated, but God knows I don't want it to change. What do you miss most about being like back in a restaurant during kind of regular service? Uh, I definitely, I'm, I mean, I'm sure everybody can feel this. They, I'm just talking to people. <laughs> I mean, we, I talk to some people occasionally when they come in to pick up orders, but we get a lot of deliveries. And so it's just delivery order coming in from Grubhub. And, and this it's for Paul, Paul, grab Paul, pack up Paul, send Paul away. Uh, and it's just rinse and repeat. And so we don't really get a lot of uh, chat, like t- talk time. And, and it's been nice actually recently we've been having some regulars come in and um and they'll come they'll just walk down and sit down on the on the patio grab a to-go drink and order food and just wait and and then we sit down and we chat for a little while and it's been nice and it's been nice to have uh, our regulars uh come back and support us and they have like they love to come and talk and i still chat with a, a bunch of 
the regulars. Uh, but yeah, that's, that's kind of the thing I miss the most is that, and kind of explaining our craft, you know, the, the fermentation of things. I freaking love that. Uh, I love explaining the garm to people because their, their eyes light up, you know, when you tell them that it takes 90 days to create it, they're like, what? It's, it might be one of the most delicious things that I've ever put in my mouth. And that's not meant to be a euphemism. That's just a fact. Let's talk about fermentation actually for a second. Number one, it's happier than COVID-19 because fuck that thing. Uh, but number two, a lot of people are at home. A lot of people are cooking at home. Everybody is a baker. I can't tell you the amount of sourdough bread accounts that I followed in the past week. And again, more power to everybody that's staying busy. But fermentation, I think, is something that absolutely terrifies a lot of people. I don't think a lot of people understand it. Can you just kind of give a brief 30-second doctoral education on kind of what fermentation is? And then feel free to go as long as you want on this one, how you guys were implementing it in the restaurant? Uh, yeah, and fermentation is just you're you're exploiting the benefits of live organisms doing what they do, and you're just in, you enjoy the, by, the the byproducts of what they what they do, and that's basically what fermentation is. Uh, and yeah, I can't um, I can't tell you how much yeast I've sold recently because of how many people um, make bacon bread and calling. I've sold so much flour; it's our number one uh, seller. <laughs> it's I, flour. I completely completely believe that this is the only time in history apart from like Colombia in the eighties, that bags of white powder are the top ingredient around the world. <laughs> uh, but yeah, uh, fermentation, we, uh, that was kind of part of my, uh, uh, I guess my philosophy on the dishes is, is I have a, I guess it's kind of a, like a mantra with all, with when I make a, when we kind of make dishes, uh, there's gotta be, uh, a ferment, uh, one clever ingredient, maybe an infused fat and some texture. And so we try and add something fermented to everything uh, because it gives that umami, you know, umaminess. And uh, either it's not just maybe ferments and ferment, ferments that we make or ferments that we buy. Just that's where you get that, that warm feeling in your mouth. If, that sounds bad. if people wanted to, because again, I think we're still looking at, unfortunately, a few weeks of at least heavy social distancing. I mean, not speaking about businesses opening up, but I just think personally, people are still going to keep their space. Are there any great guides or informational outlets that people can look into if they want to learn more about fermentation on their own? Oh, yeah. Um, gosh, what's the one? There's uh, this, comp- this Instagram is called, what's it called? It's Silent. Oh, I know exactly what you're talking team about. Silent. Yeah, Team yeah. Silent. That's Sean Brock's team down in Nashville, right? <laughs> it's, uh, is, uh, is it? Yeah, I think so. It's epic. It's so epic. Uh, and so that one, uh, the, my favorite book, which is probably going to be the, um, it, I would say that it's probably the Bible of Ferments now, uh, is that Noma Ferments book. Uh, it's just, it's, it's, it's very well put together and it's, makes it makes it very easy for people to, to make vinegars at home, uh, to make, uh, anything, right. Vinegars, uh, garums, you know, and it'll explain what the, what it is and how it's done and, and why black garlic. And, uh, so that, that book is going to, it's going to go down in history as one of the best books ever written. Uh, David Zilber is a, is a genius. <laughs> I completely agree with you. Yeah. For anybody listening, yeah. definitely you can find it on Amazon. You can find it at local bookstores. Definitely check out the ferments book by Noma. 
Uh, and I will put a link for Team Silence Instagram at the bottom of the show info because he's absolutely right. That account is insane. And what they're doing there is unbelievably interesting and super yeah important. they're making yeah they're making beer with koji they're, they're fermenting the uh carolina gold uh rice it's yeah good stuff good good stuff yeah it's super 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 interesting uh what is something that you cannot wait to get back to once we kind of open back up and then what is something you hope goes away ah <sighs> you know i all in all with this happening uh it's actually you know, if, for lack of a better word, I, it's been kind of fun for me. Uh, because like I said, I've had to, I created a whole new menu and now I'm trying to get ahead of it. Um, and the opening and knowing that we're going to be at limited capacity, I'm trying, I want to, I want to embrace that fact and, and serve less diners, uh, more, not necessarily interesting, but a more night, like a nice meal. Right. Um, and, uh, so I've actually been having a lot of fun to tell you the truth. I, it's been stressful and busy and I feel like my hair's falling out, <laughs> but, uh, I, I'm actually, especially right now, these past, this past week, I've been working on a new menu and it's been kind of fun. And so this next upcoming week we're, um, we're doing, uh, I'm, I'm going to start R and D. So I'm looking forward to that. And that's kind of been the fun part. Uh, but what do I hope to get away what do I hope to come back is, I don't know. It's just mostly probably talking to guests and, and explaining things. I like, I like teaching. It's not necessarily, I'm trying to teach somebody, but I'm trying to, I like to explain things that I've learned and that interest people. And if it doesn't interest them, then they don't want to hear it, but I like to explain it. And I, that's probably one of my favorite things. And then, um, what don't I, what don't I want to go, go or come back? Um, I think that there's a lot of, what, what we're hoping for is that a lot of like the restrictions that we have run into are going to be a lot looser. Uh, so like, even like when it goes, comes to the alcohol to go, that would be nice. Um, if that kind of didn't change, but maybe a little more, um, I guess restrictions on it, right. Make sure that the bottles are sealed like properly, like, like a whole, like a whole thing that to go alcohol would be, would be nice. Uh, and then also, um, we've had, we've had issues opening up for lunch. Uh, and I don't think that that was actually going to be a problem. So we'll see. So I'm, I'm hoping that a lot of those like previous restrictions that we were running into are, don't come back. Yeah, I agree with you. I think that it's uh, absolutely vital that alcohol to go sticks around. What's it going to be like mm-hmm. when you do reopen? Cause you're obviously, you mentioned that you're running around, you're putting on so many hats, doing so many different things because you guys are running a skeleton crew pretty much everyone is to some kind of capacity because everybody is give or take in the same boat. Um, what is staffing a restaurant going to look like after this? Because obviously everybody's out of work. I can't tell you the amount of friends that are on Instagram that are just sitting around waiting to get back to work and have told me they can't wait to work. Uh, my last interview was with a bartender who was like, I just want to get back behind the bar. I miss telling stories. I miss hearing stories. Is this, I mean, are, are you kind of scared at all for the mad rush of people applying for jobs or is it going to be kind of nice to be able to kind of hand select your team? Yeah, I, I'm going to, but I definitely think that it's going to be 25%, right? We're going to be operating at a lot or, or we go the other route and operate at a higher percentage. We charge more and we give you a different level of food, right? So we can, we can play around in that way. And I'm trying to make a, I guess a balance with that. So like the dishes, they're not going to require a lot of 
prep that I'm working on. So that's going to help a lot. Uh, yeah. And so we're, we're still trying to figure it out. It's been, it's been a fun journey so far. And so we're still trying to figure it out. So I'm, I'm glad you mentioned pricing. Uh, this is something that I don't think a lot of common, like, again, kind of like your everyday diner, maybe people that won't even ever hear this show are prepared to deal with. I do think that menus are a, uh, most of them are too big in my personal opinion. And I agree. And again, you can agree or disagree on that. I think a lot of menus are maybe three or four items mm-hmm. too big. And I do think that prices need to increase to cover a lot of those costs so that, uh, restaurants aren't living on this razor's edge where they're going to basically fail or have to yeah. uh, kill themselves doing to go. What are your, yeah, that's what that? we do. Yeah. Yeah. That's what we do. We, we, we operate with such brittle margins and if something, if we burn something in the kitchen, oh, there goes the margin for that dish kind of thing. Yeah. Uh, you grew in a steak or a steak gets sent back. Oh, that's like three steaks worth of, uh, of margin. Fund, right. So mm-hmm. it, it, anything goes bad. It's just a, it's not, it's not good. Um, but yeah, so what I, yeah, what I want to do is I want to focus on, um, I want to kind of cut back on the menu a lot. So what I'm trying to do, cause we have like 30 some odd items on the menu yeah. and, uh, and our kitchen is too small for that. And so we're going to, uh, cut it back down and I think I'm going to bring it down to half, like 15 items, mm-hmm. uh, but it's going to be possibly ever revolving. Right. So I'm going to have like a, right now I'm working on like a 40 items. And then I'm going to just, we're just going to turn them on and off. So once a dish, once we run out, then we run out. And then we think about whether or not we want to serve it again, or we, uh, uh, or we change it to another item that we already know we like. And then we just continue to, uh, to evolve that over the course of six months, eight months, and then, cont- and then add and develop new things and add in. But the dishes will be um, definitely a little, a little simpler because we kind of go a little crazy sometimes, uh, but they'll be a little simpler and, um, focus on technique and, uh, and the quality of the ingredients. Agreed. So kind of the shape and ease model, smaller menu, rotating items, focus on the ingredients, but still keep that kind of fun and style that you guys are known for. Uh, yep. I think a, a restaurant critics job and specifically a critic is to write on behalf of the consumer about what kind of experience they're going to have. I think that a restaurant or sorry, not a restaurant, a hospitality writer's job, someone like uh, myself or other much, much more prolific and established writers, it's almost to work on behalf of the restaurant and the team to translate kind of what people need to expect and almost kind of educate them a little bit before they step through the door with all of this changing. And again, new menus coming out and I know other restaurants are thinking about the same thing. What can food writers, food media, uh, journalists, things like that do to help restaurants in this time? And maybe not even just Whitestone specifically, but what would you say kind of industry wide that can be done to help? Man, that's a good question. Um, what would be, I mean, it's just mostly the, the hard, the, our hardest, the, the thing that we experience that's in the hardest is getting our name out there. Uh, and so, and I, I get it. Like there's a lot of publications and there's a lot of, there's a lot of places and it's just maybe, maybe I don't know different. I don't know how to, how to say it, but it's just maybe pushing, pushing other restaurants hard or all the restaurants really, uh, especially the ones you like, uh, because yeah, it's just, that's, kind of been our hardest thing. Like we have people that live a mile away that probably never heard of us. Yeah, that's fair. 
I, I agree with that. Again, it's been something that I've been struggling with on my end on kind of how to help because obviously I hate seeing friends um, and people that I really respect going through a tough time like this. So it's always kind of been something that's been on the back of my mind and kind of how people, and again, something like if you're rolling out a smaller menu, what can we do on our end and kind of writers in general to help educate people on what to expect and why it's a good thing and why they should give it a chance. Uh, personally, if, if Yelp never comes back, I'll, I'll be perfectly content with that. So, but that's yeah, just me I, I haven't. I haven't hated Yelp more in my life. <laughs> Tell you the truth, I, uh, I it's it. just yeah, it's just a, a ranching website, and you know that thing is—it's like borderline. What is it? Uh, libel, right? <laughs> a little bit. <laughs> like I don't have a choice. I can't take my restaurant off of there. No, no, it's a—it's a necessary evil. It's a completely yeah. necessary evil. And I should say, full disclosure: I have a family member who currently works for Yelp in the East Coast, so I am saying <laughs> this still. I still dislike it. So sorry. <laughs> Yeah, sorry. What else have you been? I mean, again, you don't have a lot of free time. What are you doing to kind of keep your sanity? Because there were there were so many discussions, great discussions going on before the shutdown about mental health in the industry and kind of balancing out that work life balance. And obviously, that's all been completely flipped because now every single person is a dishwasher, a sous chef, an executive chef, you know, expediting, and it's just one person basically doing all of that. What's it been like for you? How are you kind of keeping your sanity during all of this? Well, you know, i tell you the truth. At first, uh, when this all first started, I was freaking out, man. <laughs> I was freaking out because I was like, right, oh, well, this is so. it. Yeah, I was freaking out. And I, I feel like it was probably a week and a half. Um, I was just like uber anxiety. It was, it was very interesting. And I, um, uh, I, shoot. What was that? Um, I think that it's, I mean, ultimately, if you've met me, you would be surprised to hear that, um, that I'm actually secretly an introvert. So <laughs> I could actually spend all day indoors and be just fine. Uh, so it actually hasn't, once I, once I stopped stressing out and freaking out about the whole, the virus, I, um, I, I just go back and forth. That's it. I'm, I'm at the kitchen all day and then I go home. Kitchen home, kitchen home, and I'm fine. Like I feel fine. I, now I'm feeling a lot more relaxed, and it's a lot better. But yeah, that's good, man. I'm glad to hear it. Last thing you want is anybody freaking out. So, uh, following up on that, though, obviously, mental health and a work-life balance, especially in hospitality, is such a huge thing, and something I'm a big advocate and believer in and for. Uh, do you worry at all that when we get back to this, that you guys are going to be so worried about? just kind of turning tables and trying to continue to survive. Because again, this is once we reopen, it's not like this is a guarantee for anybody. If anything, it might be the opposite, depending on what restrictions they do put back in. Do you worry that that conversation about kind of wellness in the industry is going to be shelved until people are actually back to whatever kind of their new hundred percent is? Oh yeah. I, I mean, when you think about what my thought is, is that in Right. When we, if we, they say what well, we've been hearing maybe a month, uh, like three weeks, we'll be opening at 25% capacity. Yeah. But that's also 25% capacity or 25% of the people that are still going to go out. Cause there's still going to be a, 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 you know, half the population or people, they're not going to go out. They're still not going to go out. They're still going to be freaking out. And then the other half of that are going out. We get 20, we, we're going to be, a, a, we get a small share of that. I mean, we were operating at like, uh, on a on a good day, we have that we would turn the restaurant once, um, and at like one and a half times. So at twenty five percent, it's just 
it's not going to work. Like I, I, our lease, we, we signed a lease that was based on a certain model of um, income and that's not going to happen. Like we're going to have every, every, every restaurant's going to have to uh, renegotiate leases and because there's no way. And there's going to be shutdowns left and right, left and right. Yeah. You've already seen definitely a couple of people already shutter their doors. Um, obviously, and you, you hope the best for their staffs and those teams. Obviously that's never something that you want to see at all. Um, no. unless it's like a Jack in the box or something, because nobody needs those stomach aches. So, <laughs> <laughs> um, have you guys given any, I mean, again, 25% capacity, that's assuming that you fill the 25% capacity, which is, I think something that's lost on people who are like, just reopen. It's fine. They'll be full. Have you guys given any thought to how you can kind of guarantee or try to remove no shows, whether they're reservations or almost kind of some of like, well, like in a linea, what type of do where you're kind of prepaying or putting yep. a deposit down? Yeah, I've, I've definitely thought through, thought about that. That would be nice. Uh, like, uh, what is it? Talk making reservations and paying. Uh, I mean, you can do it on Resi. Yeah, all these, but um, yeah, I've, I we've definitely put some thought into it. Like I said, we're still trying to figure it out, yeah. um, and we're just playing with it because I mean, ultimately, right now it's just it's just right now it's just the owner and myself, and we kind of just throw things around and talk about things and but we don't have like this team of people, you know, I look at, um, I look at Jimmy's website, right. And they have, you know, you know, they have, they have a corporate office and there's teams of people in there that are trying to figure out what to do with, um, with this takeout menu and their takeout menu, it looks good, right? What they do, what they did, Jimmy, it looks good. It it definitely looks good, but I I, I can't do that. I can't even keep up with the day-to-day operations. I can't think big picture. We don't even have the time or the capacity, the bandwidth for that. And so it's been rough. Uh, So, um, but yeah, so I've, like I said, we're still trying to figure it out, but we definitely put some thought and I've thought about that and I've wanted to do that for a while. Uh, but I just don't know if that's, you know, I mean, there's nothing out here that does that. Right. Yeah. Uh, I don't know. Yeah. No, maybe and that's it. Exactly. Yeah. I know maybe three or four. Yeah. And Naka. Yeah. There's a few. Yeah. That, that you can, you have to reserve Twamek, right. You have to reserve ahead of time. Uh, but I mean, maybe the, 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 the era of, you know, reserving your tables is, and less walk-ups is, is upon us maybe. Yeah. I, the changes are definitely going to be interesting and, uh, far reaching for sure. And again, the, the worst part is, and that's why I feel so bad doing these interviews is there are no right answers. There's just, there's just kind of hope and trying to figure oh, it yeah. out because everybody's trying to figure it out. But yeah, there's, there's no history to, to look back on and no. figure, figure it out. You know, no, every, everybody is learning together. Everybody's writing the book all at the same time. Mm-hmm. Well, look, chef, Which I don't want to take makes a, this so interesting. Oh, completely. Right. Yeah. There's no, like we're living in history. This yeah. is, it's just, it's kind of, it's terrifying, but it's, it's like the ocean, right? It's beautiful, but terrifying at the same time. A little it's bit, just, a little yeah, bit. It's history. And I'm going to be able to tell my kids and my grandkids that, that we went through this, right? Yeah. Yeah. And however we get out on the other side, hopefully everybody just makes it out on one piece. So yeah. Uh, chef, I don't want to take up any more of your day off. God knows you earned it. Um, I am absolutely hoping the best for you and the restaurant. If people want to find you on social media, find the restaurant, where can they do that? Uh, the restaurant is on, on, well, we do, yeah, we're on Facebook and Instagram. Uh, but like mine, I might, I just, I kind of only post on Instagram really. And it's just food stuff most of the time. So, but my, uh, mine is like Tony is Tony Baloney 2.0. 
but baloney spelled phonetically, not uh, not the actual right way. So, but phonetically should the be the right still, way. Phonetically should be. Yeah. Right way. I'm an ardent believer of that. So fight the good. Yeah, fight. exactly. Uh, and then yeah, and then Whitestone is uh, Whitestone DP. I'm pretty sure. Yeah. Oh, Whitestone Data Point. Yeah. Uh, and so we try and keep up on that. And I like to post a lot of. I only post really some fun stuff. I haven't posted in a while, but um, hey, fun fun stuff is what we all need right now. So yeah, we'll take it. But yeah, so we're 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 on there. But we like like I said, we don't really we're not really active on it, which we should be a little bit more. But uh, yeah. Well, good, man. Well, I can't tell you how much I appreciate the time. Uh, thank you so much for sitting down. Thank you for being so candid and kind of uh, taking some time to talk about this virus again, because God knows we don't talk about it enough, apparently. And that sarcasm should be noted because God, we are also sick yeah. of this thing. <laughs> yeah. People, people are, uh, they're so, I mean, I can see the road right now. Yesterday there was, there was traffic. It looks like there was worse traffic than before. People are going back out, but everyone is still going out but they're not going to the restaurants like because we can't, they can't. Yeah. And that's one of those things with the PPP is like, you have to, you have to spend it on labor. Uh, but for what, what's the labor going to be for, yeah. you know, the payroll payroll for what? And yeah. that's what we're running into. It's insane. So interesting. I know. Hopefully we can all just learn from it and not ever have a next time, but God forbid, be ready for it at least a little bit better than we are. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, we definitely were not ready. All right, man. Enjoy the day. Go out. Well, I guess no. Don't go outside. Be an introvert. Stay inside. Do your thing. I like it. All right. Thanks, Robert. I appreciate it. No worries, man. Yeah, this was fun. Talk to you soon. That was Chef Tony Celeste of Whitestone in Dana Point. I hope you liked this episode so much. Be sure to follow him on social media. Get out to Whitestone and get some really, really good food to go. Keep your eyes peeled for when places do start to safely reopen as they will be doing so. Uh, it's going to be one of my first stops. So if you see me, say hi. If you want to say something bad, don't say hi. Just go to thebestseats.com slash you're wrong. If I got anything wrong during the show, I will correct it in an upcoming one. But either way. Hope you're good. Hope you stay safe. Thank you so much to Tony again. Thank you to Allie for the music. Be sure to go to thebestseats.com for more information. And remember that these episodes are going to be going early to members of our Patreon very, very soon. We are 11 episodes in now. I've recorded all the way through 16 of them. So they are banked. They are ready to go and ready for your eardrums. So give them a listen. Head to Patreon for early access. Thank you so much again to Tony. And thank you for listening and your support. I will see you soon. Take care. The Best Seats Podcast is an original production of The Best Seats. It is written, edited, produced, and owned by myself, Crawford McCarthy, founder and owner of The Best Seats. It is recorded in the Lisa Viejo, California. It is subsidized through generous donations through patreon.com slash the best seats. The following are names that have subscribed at the highest tier, aka norm status, and thus allow me to produce the show each and every episode. Thank you from the bottom of my heart. Here are the supporters. Katie Cassie, Eric Lutz, Serena Warino, Talia Samuels, Cheryl McCarthy. Thank you for your support.